What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. This is the Sports Ethos Grizzlies podcast. You got the whole crew with you tonight. After the Grizzlies lose to the Denver Nuggets 122 to 109, this game was not that close. Denver dominated this game. It was very clear. This this game can be summed up in all of about 35 seconds. The Grizzlies didn't need to win this game. The Nuggets needed to win this game. And both teams played exactly like that. You could tell that Denver needed to win this game and the Grizzlies were not interested. The defense was bad. The offense wasn't much better. It was just, they, they were just checked out. And Taylor Jenkins didn't really, you know, he, he didn't have a whole lot to say in the press conference. He's like, didn't get better today. Just got to work on getting better. And he did mention that he wanted to see them finish stronger in these last two home games. What did you guys take away from this, this game? Is the sky falling? Should we be panicking after this loss? No, I, 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 don't, I don't take anything from this, this game. Um, I think exactly what you said. I mean, it was a game that Denver needed to win to solidify their spot outside of the play-in. Uh, didn't want to drop it in the play-in. If they lost this game, it was, it was going to go down to the last game. Didn't know where they made to stay out of the play-in and hold off Minnesota. So they needed to win this game. The Grizzlies didn't. Uh, it, it started off well. looked like the Grizzlies were going to play well, knocking down threes to start the game. And then once Denver kind of got rolling, uh, Jokic – kind of had the issue. He got elbowed by Jared there early, and he was in and out. Once he got going, they just really never did look back. I mean, he came in and kind of settled things down. They got established, opened up the lead to double digits, and the Grizzlies just never could really fight back. Uh, but, but, again, I mean, this is a game where the Grizzlies just really aren't playing for anything. Um, you just hope kind of in these last two home games that are coming up uh, that, that John Morant gets back. And in the pregame post-conference, uh, Taylor Jenkins said that he hopes Ja <laughs> will play this weekend. I wish they stopped with the with the coach speak, man. Everybody knows, man. He he's gonna play in one of these games. I hate how they kind of like speculate like they don't know what's gonna happen. Even did five on five stuff today, man. He's gonna play in at least one of these games. I would honestly play him in both. I think they really need to to kind of get these guys together. He talked about him playing with with Dylan Brooks. He'd like to see that a little bit more because we haven't got a lot of that this season. Uh, not a lot of Ja and Dylan Brooks together, so you got to want to see that. Uh, so I, if I were them, I would play in both of the games. I got a sneaky suspicion they only do it on Saturday, but but we'll see what happens. But again, no reactions from here from me here in this game tonight, man. I, I it's exactly what what David said. A game that the Nuggets need to win, and, and the Grizzlies are solidified, and they're just they're just I think they're ready to kind of kind of get to the playoffs, and that's what we saw tonight. Yeah, I'd agree. I just checked outside and the clouds are still in place. I don't think that the sky has <laughs> fallen. I think we'll be all right. Uh, it, it really just was a game that you could just tell they didn't have the the energy, the the effort. It just wasn't there. The, the communication wasn't good on defense, a lot of defensive lapses. Um, I think they, they came out in the beginning. They tried to give a punch, but they just couldn't match the energy that the Denver Nuggets had. The, it was urgent. It was do or die for the Denver Nuggets, and um, it was an important game for them. And so I think that's what you saw. I don't, you know, I think our defensive effort was lacking a lot. But if you look at the box score offensively, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't great, but it wasn't, it wasn't horrible. It wasn't as bad as some of the stretches of this game indicated. Uh, so anyway, I, there's really no takeaways. There, there's nothing that anybody should take away from this game. Um, we've got a whole season's worth of data to be able to pull from, to be able to make conclusions about how this team will play in the playoffs. And I don't think any of these games will sort of, should sway that one way or the other, um, except for I think the only thing that we that could be great is to see, like uh, Isaac mentioned, see the whole team together, get those full lineups, get those reps. Um, outside of that, um, let's just get ready for the playoffs. That's pretty much the conclusion we, we're at. I think that they would be safe to play Ja both games. I, I know it's, it's yeah. a back-to-back. He's coming off of an injury. But we, we have kind of speculated throughout this whole time that he's been out that this was more a precautionary thing mm-hmm. than a serious injury type thing. If they play him Saturday and Sunday, you go Pelicans, Celtics. Uh, and and I think, if I'm not mistaken, after tonight's loss against the, against the Bucks, the Celtics are locked into the three seed. Or it's uh, There's something – I know that they can't get the two seed anymore, basically. So the Celtics are not really going to have a lot to play for but the Grizzlies could definitely use these games as a tune-up heading into the playoffs. And the way that the play-in works with the Grizzlies having that two seed, you're looking at after Sunday, their next game would be Saturday. 
And so they're going to have almost seven days off. So even if you do play him on in both games of this back-to-back, I don't expect him to go out there and play 35 minutes both nights. You know, you could get him out there for 20 or 25 minutes in, on Saturday and do the same thing on Sunday, and and I think that would be fine. It's going to be interesting to see how Taylor Jenkins and this coaching staff approaches that because I think the more minutes that you can get Ja and Dylan together, I think it's going to be better for the team. You know, the, the Grizzlies, one thing, you look at the pace, they only took 89 shots. They averaged, I think, about five more shots in that a game. They did get 30 assists tonight. They were over the 35% from three marker, which has been typically this season has been a good indicator that they're going to win the game. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't there tonight. That They just didn't have it. The three-point shooting has been significantly better as of late, and that's something, you know, we, we've talked about half-court offense, the game slowing down in the playoffs. What is this team going to look like? And I'm telling you, if they keep shooting the, the three the same way they have over this last two or three weeks to the stretch here, they're going to be in good shape. You know, the, the defense is good. We know that the defense is good. Defense travels. And so even though the offense may not be – I think somebody posted a stat the other day, the Grizzlies half-court offense ranks – I think 20th or 22nd in the league. Yeah. You know, which yep. is not, you know, that, that's, yep. yeah, that's not a great stat, but a lot of the things that they do are things that can carry over into the playoffs. And so, you know, again, you look at, there were positive things to take away from the night that they, they moved the ball. Well, getting 30 assists, they shot the ball well from three, but it, this was just, uh, we're checked out and not interested in playing this game. Yeah. I saw the tweet that you're talking about and I responded to that. Uh, I, I'm not as worried about it as some people might be or the numbers might indicate because, as you said, I think a lot of the things that they do will translate because offensive rebounding is something that they really do well. Uh, they haven't done it well in the last two games, but especially, but that's something over the season they've done really well. Number one rebound team in the NBA, and that's that's going to that's gonna travel. Like, they're not going to stop offensive rebounding the basketball, so they're going to get those second-chance opportunities. That helps. And you still have the opportunity, even though the game slows down, they're going to be deflections and steals. I think they'll still be able to force turnovers, um, especially in some series uh, against certain teams. If talking about if they end up in a series with Golden State, Golden State's going to turn the basketball over. That's not something that's going to stop because just like the Grizzlies, they like to get up and down a four too. Uh, so I mean that's not something that's going to stop. So I think I think they'll be fine. I, I think they'll still play good defense. We've seen a whole season of them playing good defense, despite what we saw tonight. Uh, point of attack and defense wasn't good tonight. One positive that I do take out of tonight, speaking of minutes, is, is Taylor Jenkins was able to keep the minutes down. Uh, Dylan Brooks was highest on the team at 26. Everybody else played less than 26, most guys in the 20s. I think that was really good. I mean, if you're going to be on a road, going to get get kind of your, your butt headed to you, man. You don't want to have guys playing major minutes here down the stretch. So a kind of a quasi-rest for some guys because they didn't play the, the requisite minutes that they usually play. So I thought that was a positive. And you touched on the three-point shooting. Good to still see that, even though they got blown out tonight. They still go 11 of 28 for 39.3 percent. You talk about the assists, get to hit the magic number 30. That's usually a, a good indicator for them. Didn't work out tonight, but those are things that you even in this loss uh, that you can look at. Uh, it's still a positive. Melton went two or five from three, uh, so so you like to see that. Uh, so I mean, it's again, man. This game tonight is just it is what it is. Again, Denver needed this win. Uh, you're on you're on the road, man. Got a couple games left at home. Uh, like I'm, I'm saying, I'm looking on Twitter now, and there are some people that kind of overreact to this, like as to what's going on, man. This, this team's going to be fine, man. They got to get get their guys back this weekend. I think you're going to see a good effort on Saturday. We'll see what happens on Sunday. Whether they rest guys or what they do, but I mean, again, again, I think you still saw some positive indicators tonight. It was just, I think, a matter of motivation. I think Denver was more motivated to win this game, and and that's that's what you saw. I mean, you could see it in the play, the energy from the Grizzlies just wasn't there outside of that, that little spurt to start the game. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And one thing to go back to that point about the uh, being ranked 22nd in half-quarter offense is, you know, I, I, I'd like to see those numbers since March. Because over the past month or so, I, I really think the three-point percentage being so much higher than it than has been over the duration of the season makes a huge difference in a half-quarter offense. And so does Dylan Brooks. You know, he makes a big difference in half-court offense. Before, I know that's something that we talked about on previous podcasts when we were sort of anticipating Dylan's return. And I think we've seen that. I think we've seen his mid-range 
um, be of extreme value to us, especially when it comes down to clutch situations, like going back to the game against the Suns, like his ability to just create these weird off balance, wrong foot type shots uh, really make the difference for the half court offense. And it gives us some more uh, versatility since we got people shooting from three better. We got some mid range game and, when, when Ja comes back, we'll have our point, our the number one lead leader in paint points. We'll have him back. And so I think we have everything we need offensively. They can just keep this streak up going into the playoffs. Uh, I, that's not something I'd be concerned about at all. Yeah, I was actually it, – it's funny that you said you'd like to see that since uh, since March. I, I actually was running that to look and see. I don't have the half-court numbers, but I do have the, the three-point percentage for the Grizzlies. And they're seventh overall in the league since March first, shooting thirty eight point eight percent. Yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me. So wow. you know they they are they're shooting the ball really well. This is not just a hey the eye test says this. Mm-hmm. The the numbers back it up. They're about middle of the pack. They're thirty five point one percent on the year. So they're almost four percent four percentage points higher from three over the last month, and that bodes well for them heading into the playoffs, regardless of who they're matching up against. I know, you know, we kind of had that conversation on our playoff preview as to who we would rather see them match up against. And, and I think Isaac might be backpedaling a little <laughs> bit as to uh, to who he wants to see in that matchup. Is that the case, Isaac? Um, I think I think I'm going to still stick with what I said and, and go with Dallas in that potential second round matchup. But me and David were kind of talking about Golden State, and they've just been kind of playing with their food checked out a little bit over, over the last month. I think they've kind of take it off against the Lakers tonight, but they've been struggling in that game, and there's no AD, no LeBron, no Russell Westbrook um, in that game. They're at home in a game that they really need to win, and they didn't really seem to impose their will to into, here into the fourth quarter, so they're kind of backing in the playoffs. I know they, they expect to get, get Steph back, and, and we'll see if they can get it together. They're veteran team, veteran coaching staff. They won championships with Steve Kerr and those three major guys, but again, man, they, they're, they're expected, I guess, to just get in there and turn it on, and Sometimes that doesn't work out that way. Cough, cough. <laughs> <laughs> Glad you guys are coming over to see it my way. I'm, yeah, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still gonna stick with, I'm still gonna stick with Dallas though. I'm not that's gonna right. bag off on it. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, yeah, I was watching that game too, and I, you know, I was really surprised to see the score. I, I didn't think the Lakers had a single chance of being in this game. I mean, they're terrible just you know, with Russell Westbrook. So <laughs> with no Westbrook and for Golden State to still be struggling like this, I mean, Draymond just had, sorry, Draymond just has not been the the same. Uh, like he just hadn't looked like himself, I don't think. And then maybe you guys see something differently out there, but he just hadn't been the spark that I think this team was desperately looking for. And, and he may work himself back, like you guys said, uh, but I think sometimes you got to have a little running room before you just hop in there in the playoffs so, Maybe not, but yeah, I don't know. It's it, looking at this Warriors team. To me, they look very beatable. They got a lot of vulnerabilities that I think we could take advantage of, and, and I always prefer that. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some weaknesses there, and that's that's one point that I kind of made to Isaac when we were discussing it. Like, you know, the, they're three and seven over their last ten games, mm-hmm. and I I know that these guys have the experience. I know that they've been there before, but. What if, because you've been so lackluster over the last month of the season, what if that switch isn't there for you to flip? Steph Curry's been out for a while with his injury. Is he going to come back and be himself, or is he going to be, you know, limited? And that's, you know, you have Clay Thompson. He's been playing well since his return. Draymond has definitely not looked like himself. Wiggins, the you know, the all-star this year. It's I don't know that you can lean on him in the playoffs like you can these other guys. So I've said it a million times probably that I I don't really have a preference as to which team they play. I think that the Grizzlies have a shot against any of them. But, you know, I've not changed my tone. I I think that uh, the Grizzlies could beat either team, and I like that matchup against Dallas. But the way that it's looking, we are not going to see the Grizzlies against the Mavericks unless that's a Western Conference Finals matchup. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, and I, I'm, I still, I, I, I do agree with you guys. I'm, I'm not panicking over Dallas, but um, I sort of just look my chops at the idea of those turnovers that I just keep seeing that they just haven't managed to, they haven't fixed it. And in fact, that was a problem last year. I think that was one of the things that helped us in the play in is just, you know, some costly turnovers um, when it came down to executing down the stretch. So, 
anyway, but I think either way, either way it'll be a good, exciting matchup to, to, to see. We've got to get out of the first round first. So I guess we shouldn't get too ahead of ourselves um, and, and jinx the Grizzlies and <laughs> maybe focus on that first round matchup first and see how we do against the uh, Timberwolves or the Clippers is what it looks like it'll be now. Yeah, and I was going to say, talking about the, the Warriors and, and we kind of projecting forward, kind of just going off what we were just talking about, Warriors might not even make it to the second round. They're going to have a tough matchup where they end up three-year or, or the four-seed. Uh, so, I mean, they're, they're, they've been really cryptic about the Steph injury. I mean, Steve Kerr has been asked about it a lot. And one at one point, he was saying, oh, well, we expect him to play in the last two games. He'll probably be back. And then, like, a couple of days ago, we kind of shot away from that. So, if, if he's not going to play at all, I mean, is he just going to be magically ready for the playoffs? Is he going to be limited? What, what is he going to look like coming back? Because if, it, it appears that he's actually injured and can't play right now because I think if he could play, you would see him playing these last two games, and it doesn't look like he's going to be able to do that. So I'm thinking that they end up dropping one of these games. They got a game at the Pelicans and I think maybe at the Blazers, and Mavericks have two two easier games at home. I think the Mavericks are going to win out, and I think Golden State drops one of those last two games. I think they might lose at New Orleans, and if they do that, they'll end up the four seed, and, and Dallas would be the three seed. So you would have that scenario to where if you advance, you would end up playing the Mavericks in the second round, which, again, I said that's what I prefer, and I'm going to stick with it. But at this point, I'm kind of – I don't think it really matters. I always felt like the Grizzlies could win either one of those series. So, I mean, it, it really doesn't matter at this point. But you look at the situation now, Denver is out of the picture, man. They've solidified themselves as the sixth seed. Uh, now it's either going to be Minnesota or the Clippers, and we've kind of touched on this before, but I, I'm going to kind of get a, get our opinion on this again. What, what do you guys think about those two teams and, and the way that they match up against the Grizzlies? Well, I'll say this. Both of them look a little tougher than they did. Just since kind of how they've been playing, the moments they've been playing with, they look a little bit tougher than they did before. Uh, Paul George looks like he's pretty well back and in good form. They keep they keep the Clippers nation. He's making these cryptic messages about um, Kawhi. I don't really know what's going on with that, if he's going to pop up or not. I, I'm, I'm with <laughs> you guys still, and, and I don't think he could – Really make that much of an impact, but I don't know, man. With these things, you just you just never know. Well, Norman Powell came back though in that last game against the uh, who was it that it played? Yes, it was last night, right? Yeah, they played. Uh, I can't say remember Utah, who they played though. I, I want to say Utah, but I don't think that's them. I think I'm thinking about another matchup. But yeah, Norman Powell, CJ, CGK, man, certified Grizz killer. There's no yeah. no doubt about that. So that's looking that's looking a little tougher. He came back out of the gate and just took off. Um. I know he would against us because that's just what he does. And then the Denver was was pretty tough tonight. Now I will say this: as 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 much as this was a miserable looking game, one of it, like we mentioned, one part of it we mentioned motivation was a huge factor here tonight. But also John Moran. Um, John Moran normally he's normally the solution to uh, a lot of our paint points, a lot of our fast break points. He's the generally, you know, if, if it's Ja against Yogi. Jai generally wins those battles. And don't get me wrong, Yoka's going to get his. He's going to get his points, and he's going to affect this team in a positive way. But uh, Josh is crafty enough in a way that I don't think anybody else on this team is. So would you look at that? The um, Grizzlies are actually better with John Morant in his show tonight. <laughs> yeah, if there, if there was ever any doubt, for some reason yeah. people still continue to doubt that. I have no idea why people say that, man. It's, it's yeah. crazy that after this – this long, people still think that, but <laughs> I have that optimism going into a playoff. Well, we won't play them now, but that's like, I guess, never mind. We won't play them. But um, I will say, even though the Clippers are looking sneaky, suspicious, I think my preference is still Clippers. I'm not going to change that. Uh, Timberwolves, just Pat Bev, man. Pat Bev versus Jai just gives me <laughs> nightmares. So I- I'm standing by that. Man, I'm, I'm a little disappointed in you guys. I had my stuff all crossed up in the beginning when I was talking about this matchup with the Warriors playing bad. Right now, the Grizzlies are slated if they get to the second round and Golden State wins to play the Warriors. And I was talking like it was the other way around at first. And you guys didn't even correct me. You just let me go. Yeah, on I, I, heard, I heard you. I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm that's, like why oh, I kinda, that's why yeah. I kind of decided to say it. That's why I kind of came back on it when I started back talking, man. I didn't want to want to call no, you, you out like that. Man, you, you <laughs> could have got me. Hold, hold me to it, man. I, I don't know what was going on there. I was – out in left field, but you know, I, I I don't really want to talk too much. Again, I, I don't put much weight at all into this Nuggets game, so I, I want to kind of move on from from the game tonight. 
it was a loss. They're, they lose by 13. You pack it up. They still have a chance to tie and or break the all-time season, like the win record for a single season. They have two games at home. Don't know what type of roster we're going to see from the Grizzlies, but as they have shown this season, they're capable of winning regardless of who's on the floor. So there's still a legitimate chance that they're able to at least tie that record. I hope to see them break it. That would be fantastic. But I, I want to kind of – I went on um, another podcast and got asked a series of interesting questions. And so this is all theory crafting, and this won't take too long. We'll go ahead and wrap the episode up. But we, we were talking about guys on the Grizzlies roster who's untouchable, and if you were going to go out and make a trade – who would you want the Grizzlies to target? And obviously we don't, we don't have any type of insight of we've heard the Grizzlies are in discussion for this or whatever. That's not the type of It's not the time of year for that as they're heading into the playoffs. But I, I know that a lot of people get upset about this conversation about, well, I don't want to give this player up to add this yeah. player. And it, it seems weird to me because anytime that you can make your roster better, I think that you go out and do it. The, the chemistry from this team starts with John Morant. And I think almost regardless of who you go out and get, that chemistry is still going to be there. And I, I trust Zach Kleiman and this front office enough that they're not going to go out and trade for a guy that's going to disrupt the chemistry. So we'll start with you, Candace. I already kind of – I have an idea of where I, Isaac is at with this, but we'll we'll pass it off to him as well. Looking at this roster right now, who would you say are untouchables? Who would you list as guys that you're absolutely not trading under any circumstances? Uh, I think I'm going to go Ja, of course. Ja's obvious. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., I would consider him untouchable just with what he adds to our defense. I, I think um, his unique abilities and his potential still at such a young age makes him untradeable in my opinion and some would argue argue with me on this but I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and say Desmond Bain um I consider him I, I guess consider him as close to untouchable as you can possibly get out depending on the player there's a player uh that that's worth it perhaps I, I'd consider it but it sure take a lot I but I'd say that that's the core three I think you want to build around I think John and Desmond have really good chemistry together. I think uh, Desmond still has a lot of room to grow. I think he could potentially become an all-star type player. Um, I don't know if his defense will ever get to the level of, you know, maybe one of the superstars that we could probably trade for. So it, there's a sort of trade-off there um, just because it's limited with his, with his wingspan. But just what he brings, um, his craftiness, his ability to learn, and as he gets comfortable facilitating the ball – and once we get rid of some, if, if we were to move on from some of these other players, like a Kyle Anderson or uh, like Billy Brooks is not a facilitator, but just some of our other guys who can sort of facilitate Tyus Jones might not be here. Uh, Desmond's role in that will be even more critical. So that's why I put him just about as close to untouchable as you possibly could get. All right. So nobody outside of those three. No, I think you got to be. No, I mean, I, they're players you love, and there are core core players that you want to build around. But in terms of genuinely being untouchable, um, I, you can't have the whole team be untouchable as much as Grizzlies right. fans would prefer that to be the case. In order to get something, you've got to give up something. Yeah, you yeah. Give up something. exactly. Not a... Great pieces, and so <laughs> yeah, I, I, there, is... there's room for upgrades, I think, and some area of our rosters. And I'll say this, I'll just put this out there. I think part of it with the Grizzlies fan base is they just haven't um, seen the, the play in the playoffs. You get exposed for your weaknesses. And I don't think we've been in a playoff series since, you know, against Utah for it to be obvious where our weaknesses are. Last time it was pretty clear. It was Jonas Valanciunas in, in the jazz series. And so ultimately the front office took care of that. I think maybe these, these playoff series, hopefully the multiple playoff series is that we go through will sort of, um, maybe bring to light some issues where maybe Grizz fans won't be so attached as they are right now. Yeah, I think that the fact that this team is kind mm -hmm. of overachieving is the reason you know, you look at the record and what they've been able to do this year, you get attached because some of these guys are just playing, you know, great basketball. But, you right. know, when, when you're talking about going out and getting somebody to improve this roster, 
you're not going to give up a John Conchar and a Santi Aldama and get Jalen Brown in return. <laughs> like that's just it's just not going to happen. You you could attach a hundred picks to that, and it's still not going to happen. Yeah. So so Isaac, I'm gonna, I'm going to throw it to you. Who are your untouchables for this Grizzlies roster? Yeah, man, and you guys hit the hit the nail on the head. I've been kind of dealing with that conversation on on, on Twitter all day. Like it's and, and again, and I'm not advocating trade for anybody. Uh, I'm just hypothetically looking forward, asking questions. And, and people have a weird thought on social media that if you discuss something, it's somehow going to seep into the locker room and cause the team to play bad. Or like <laughs> like like me talking on Twitter is going to have any impact on anything they're doing right now. It's just crazy that people have that thought. Like, man, why are you saying that right now? We're in the middle of a, whatever we, we have going on. Like, it's, why not? It's not going to change anything. That's just me spitballing putting out ideas there on Twitter, man. I think it, 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 that mentality is weird to me, but uh, I, I think it, it's right there with what Candace said. I think, obviously, Ja at the top. I mean, you're not not going to move him, and I think Jared Jackson Jr. and his, his step forward on the defensive end, and he beats so much to this team defensively. I mean, you dive into the numbers, you see how how different they are when he's on and off the floor. I, I think he just means so much to this team. If you're not having a package that you're going to bring back a, a major, major superstar, I don't think you're moving him. And, and I think Desmond Bain is right there on that line. I mean, I think if, if you're going to move him, it would have to be, for me, a deal also for another major superstar deal that I don't think is going to happen because I think it would take him. And, and, and the player that it would take to get, that I think for the move Bain, you'd have to go into probably Jaron too, and I'm not interested in that, don't think it's going to happen. So I think those three guys are, are where it's at. And I think for me, those are the only three guys that are untouchable. I think Dylan Brooks, I love what he brings to this team. But I've kind of laid out on Twitter and not going to get into it right now, but I think there's a lot of reasons why I think there's a possibility that he could be he could be moved here before the next next straight next year's straight deadline. I think there's a, there's a lot of reasons. If you just kind of read the tea leaves and kind of the, the way things are handled and, and what's going on right now with the roster, I, I think it's obvious that somebody at some point on the wing, especially, is going to have to have to move on. I, I just don't think you're going to be able to keep these these guys together with the with Zaire and what, what he's doing and trying to develop him, Desmond Bain and the step that he's taking forward, I think that's going to have to be a decision made. And I think Desmond Bain and Zaire probably long-term are going to win out. But those three guys are the guys for me. And I think outside of that, I think anybody's pretty able to be moved on this roster. Yeah, I agree. I am, I don't have anything different at all. That That's where I'm at with it. Um, I exact same take that Candace has on Desmond Bain. He he's as close to untouchable as you can get. It would have to be the right player in order for me to include him in that deal. With that being said, I want to run through a list of players and this is the the trade package and I want we'll start with Candace and I want you to tell me if you would make this move if you were the Grizzlies or not. So the trade package would be Desmond Bain and two first round picks, plus plus probably a role player. Now you can, you're going to have to have somebody else in there in order to match salary. But um, Donovan Mitchell, we'll start with him. Would you package Desmond Bain, another role player, and two first round picks to go and get Donovan Mitchell for this roster? Can I ask which role player, or does, can it be the least of them? Does that matter? I, I mean, for this case, you can pick whichever. It doesn't matter. Let's say, you know, obviously Kyle and Tyus are free agents, so they're not going to be included in that. So it would be one of DeAnthony Melton, Brandon Clark. Um, I mean, I think those are probably your, your two premier role players. I, I don't think – not that Zaire is untouchable, but I don't think that he is one that they are going to be looking to put into a trade. So, right. you know, in between – whoever you want to plug in there. So you can, you can call it the least of them. All right. All right. Um, it's tough, but I, I think I'm actually going to say no on that one. I, I think, I think um, here's my question. My question would be, and this may not be an answer that any of you, either of you guys have. Um, I, I feel like Desmond Bain has the ability to score kind of at the same level. And it may be wrong, but I, I, I just feel like, as Desmond grows and gets comfortable and gets consistent, right? Um, this is his second year. So I feel like he has the potential to be a Donovan Mitchell type of, of player. But if he does have any defensive upside, 
then that be that turn that into a yes for me. I know that Donovan Mitchell isn't known for his defense, and so Desmond Bain may actually be better. Um, but that would be my question in terms of is that an upgrade on that side of the ball? Because I, I just think from an offensive perspective, Desmond has a ceiling of potentially, and maybe my think is my thinking is he might have the potential of a Donovan Mitchell. And that's the like to me, that's the biggest thing with Desmond Bain. We don't know where his ceiling is right now. The growth yeah. that we have witnessed from him this year, it's incredible. And I agree that he can probably get to an all-star level. Um, Donovan Mitchell has – he's proven that he can do it at the, you know, at the highest level. In the playoffs, the Jazz have not been able to get over that hump. But, he, he you know, you go back to the bubble and, you know, him and Jamal Murray had that game where it was just – where they, they were both over 50, right? I can't even remember what it was. It's been too long. But, you know, I – for me, I value Donovan Mitchell higher than Desmond Bain. And so it, that would be a, a yes for me. I think if you can go out and get a guy that he he's young enough that he still fits this window and yeah. he's done it in the playoffs that, that you go out and get him. Isaac, where are you at on that one? Are you giving up Desmond Bain and uh, – player and two first for Donovan Mitchell. Now, you, you know how much how much I think of Desmond Bain, even before the Grizzlies drafted him. I, I love Desmond Bain. I was talking about him today and saying that I feel like he will play an all-star game one day. If Chris Milton can play an all-star game, I think Desmond Bain can be that level of player that Chris Milton, like he made the all-star game last year. I, I definitely think Desmond Bain can be that level of player. Um, and, and I think I, I, but I think I'm with you. Uh, for, with Donovan Mitchell, I, I think I would. I, a lot of people kind of talk about the day would be a small backcourt with job but you get a play level of, of Donovan Mitchell man you make that work if you can go out and get a Donovan Mitchell I, I think you have to make that move uh but bona fide all-star and, and like you said we don't know what Desmond Bain is going to turn into but I think there are some limitations there with him and I think there is a cap on it and I think he could be a borderline all-star but I think you know that Desmond uh, Donovan Mitchell is that type of player and I think if you have that opportunity to go out and get it. I would hesitantly do it, but I think I would pull the trigger on that one. Yeah. Well, one and I could is, I could be convinced, but it it I, I'd need some time to think about it, some research and I'm not I, saying it wouldn't hurt. Like it was no, still, yeah, you know, yeah, like, for sure. It's like, oh man, I, I know who you're getting in return, but the unknown, the what if you move Desmond Bain and then he turns out that you know Candace was, you know, talking about the the offensive game and how she feels like Desmond Bain is kind of pretty close to that level, and, and I don't know that he's quite there yet, but I, I don't know that he doesn't get there, and so that that's what you know with a young player, it's kind of it's really tough. You're you're gambling, and in a small market, that's kind of what you have to do. You know, if you believe in Desmond Bain, you keep him. If not, you know, and you can, and something like this is available, then you, then you go out and do it. Um, so we'll move on from from Mitchell. So it was a, a no from Candace and, and Isaac and I were both a yes on that one. Mm-hmm. The the next player, same package, Bradley Beal. Same package. Yeah, same same package. Desmond Bain, role player two first, Bradley Beal. I don't want to keep being the no person, but I really don't want that. Yeah, you, <laughs> I don't want to keep being the no person, but yeah. I feel like maybe I should say yes no, on the other one. I, <laughs> more, more than anything, no, no, yeah, it, it's it's perfectly fine. I, I like that we're disagreeing. I like some of the points that you made because some of the stuff that you mentioned, you know, that that's things that I, I may or may not have been thinking about, and so disagreeing is fine. If you if it's a no, say it's a no. It's all right. We're not gonna beat you up over it. Yeah, I, I guess my, my thing, my question mark was with Bradley Bill. I know he's got talent. Um, I just wonder how he contributes to, to winning. Um, I don't know if he has the same, the right, it's culture. Generally, I don't, I won't bring that up, but I just, I know he's got some question marks around him. Um, besides that, I don't even know if he has just the same athleticism. How old is Bradley Bill? Can somebody remind me? Uh, he'll be 28, he'll be, he'll be 29 in no. June. Nope. So, yeah. Nope. nope. Yeah, that confirmed it for me. I just wanted to double check the timeline, but my thinking was that he's not even on the same timeline as the rest of his team. So I'm not even sure that, that would be a move in the right direction. It, I mean, sure, you, you want some veteran presence on the team, but 
I don't think that's the veteran presence you need on the team. You can get some role players to, to sort of fill in that mark, and I'd rather not do that personally. All right, Isaac, where are you at with that one? Yeah, yeah, I think you kind of know where I'm going. As we talked about this earlier, kind of similar to Candace. He, he's a little bit older than, than you want. Um, I think he has a little bit a little bit too much mileage on the tread on those tires. I don't think that's the guy that you want to bring in if you're going to make a big move like that. I think he's kind of off the timeline of, of John, Jared, and, and, and those guys. And I think he, he has injury history. He's, he's injury prone, doesn't, doesn't seem to be able to, to stay healthy, especially here lately. And Candace brought up a great point about a guy that, that puts up big-time numbers but doesn't really contribute to winning. I think we saw a guy like Carmelo Anthony goes kind of that guy throughout his career. I mean, he put up these huge numbers, but his team never really had a lot of success. And I think we kind of saw that with Bradley Beal. Um, and I don't think that's going to get any better as he gets older. I mean, he gets into his 30s. Uh, I just don't think you go out and make that move for him. So with Bradley Beal, I think it's a definite no. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even have to think about it on that one. Yeah, same. We're all on the same page there. It was an immediate no for me because of the age. And yep. that's, you know, I know for some people, you know, like they may attack us for saying no to that trade. Like they, they may have the same argument. Oh, well, if you can go out and get Bradley Bill, you get him. And I know I, I've witnessed a lot of Grizzlies fans across Twitter saying, you know, Bill on Bill, like they're all about it. And it's just, after watching what the Grizzlies have done this season and what we've seen as far as growth from these young guys, I'm just not willing to to give up Desmond Bain for somebody that's that age. So before you go on to the next one, sure. another thing I just want to keep in mind too is a we've seen teams before have be in a really great position to have a lot of draft picks like the Boston Celtics. Um you know, the Lakers aren't exactly in this position, but just in terms of going all in on a player who's the wrong fit, uh, I just be cautious of doing that. I don't think that just because a player who's a high score is available that you should automatically get that player. You got to look at the bigger picture. You got to look at how it fits and connects with your team. Um, and so I'm not on the team. I'm not on the hashtag. Let's get any star that can come here, <laughs> come here. No, um, th- this team is built organically and, and, and very intelligently. And I'd like to see them continue to do that. Yeah, fair enough. The next one that we will go to is SGA. Same package. Yep, same package. I'll tell you if there's any change. I think I'll do that. Yeah, I I think I'll do that. Um, Actually, his his scoring upside is just – it's super high. Um. Uh, that's actually one of the players I thought about, man, if we could get SGA on here, that's, that's one of the ones I fantasized about. So maybe it's a little bit easier for me, um, but I, he, he fits the timeline. I think, um, I think he just gives you size wise. I know he's, he's a, a I get the sense he's upside uh, size wise, uh, but I know wingspan wise for sure, but as young as he is and he's still got development and he's been doing this well on a bad team. So I could just imagine, you know, how well he would do on a Grizzlies team. Um, that's more, you know, we were just well-built. Um, and we've got balance to our roster. So um, that that would excite me a lot. I'd definitely make that trade. Isaac, where are you at on this one? Man, he, he definitely fits the timeline, and I, I love him as a player. Uh, what, what he does, what, what he brings to the game, I think he still has room to grow. But for me, I have to separate his talent and kind of where he fits and kind of look at the Grizzlies roster. And for me, this has been brought up a lot. I've had conversations with, I know, Joe Mullinex from, from uh, Grizzly Bear Blues. Uh, we've kind of talked about this. And he, and I think Parker Fleming as well. And I kind of disagree on him. They were in on it. And for me, I just don't know how he fits next to job. I think that's the question for me. I think they kind of do some of the same things. And I think he might kind of get in his way because if you're going to play him, I, I don't think you want to take the ball out of his head uh, and play him out the ball because I think that kind of, limits his effectiveness. I, th- I don't think you get the maximum player that you get if, if you make that move. I just think, for me, I probably wouldn't because I, I just don't think if you're going to make a big move like that and go all in, I just don't know if he's the best fit next to job. That's that's kind of my thoughts on it. But I love SGJ's player. It doesn't have anything to do with my thoughts on him because I think outside, he's probably one of my favorite non-grizzly players on the league. And for him to do what he's doing on, on that OKC team, which is basically a G League team and him, uh, for for the most part, I think it's tremendous. I just don't love his fit. I could I could be wrong. Like I, again, because he's a tremendous player, but I just just think 
I question the fit on how him and Job would operate together. Yeah, the the wing he he is he's six five and his wingspan is six ten and a half. So length and stuff it, that that's something Candace was mentioning. It's there with him. Um, I it was a no for me on, on SGA, and and that's it's it's a tough no. Um, and a lot of it is because of what Isaac was saying, j- just the fit. We saw he played on the Clippers team, like that surprise Clippers team that made the playoff run before they go and, and get Paul George and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he played well. You know, that's a he, I, it was either his first or second year, but he first played year. well. In, first in year, that, yeah. Yeah. So we, we've witnessed him play well at on, on a better team, on a team that has more weapons. And so I, I think that he could probably do it. Um, it it's all about, when you're looking at going out and getting a guy like that, I think the conversation makes a difference. You know, you reach out to him and you're like, Hey, you're used to being the ball dominant guy on your team. We have the best point guard in the league. Do, are, are you willing to come and play for this team and not have the ball in your hands? Are you okay playing off the ball whenever he's on the floor? And as long as you get the feel that he's okay with that, I think it would be a great fit. But we don't know where where he's at with that. Is he how effective is he going to be off of the ball? And that's a, it's a lot of questions. I think there's other guys out there that you can go and get that may actually be available um, without all of the questions surrounding them. So I, I got a question. What what do you guys think if they if there were some? Because uh, I know Jai enjoys playing with Tyus, and he jo- enjoys I think to some extent actually playing off ball himself. Um, what would you guys think about sort of a maybe not an even matchup job would obviously need more minutes, but, but from a not having a secondary facilitator on the floor, which we've talked about being important with the Grizzlies and um, this year actually working pretty working better than it did before we have a secondary facilitator on the floor with Ja. Uh, does that factor into your guys' decision at all? Well, I, I think we've got to see that quite a bit this year with Desmond Bain and the, the leap that he's taken. Um, I, I don't know that you – like the, the guys that we've ran through here, Mitchell and Beal and SGA, um, can you say that Desmond Bain is at that level right now? And, and I don't know that the answer to that question is yes, but we've seen him operate with, you know, they've played lineups with John and Tyus on the floor, and either one of these three guys would be a better option. I, I think that, you know, it, it's – so I guess to answer your question, yeah, like I, I think about that whenever I'm looking at it. Donovan Mitchell is probably the the worst playmaker out of the three that we've talked about. Yeah, for you know, sure. Like he, yeah. he can go out and he can knock down shots, but he's not necessarily a guy that's going to um, – I mean, just to be honest, he's kind of like a, a, not defensively, but on the offensive end, he's like a better version of Dylan Brooks. He's a more efficient. Right. He's able to, to go yeah. and get his shot. He just doesn't pass the ball a whole lot. And with Ja being, you know, ball dominant, I think that Mitchell would work pretty well. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's – yeah, I think you have to factor that in, honestly. I, I don't know how much weight I actually put onto it, but, you know, that, that's something in the playoffs that matters. Having another guy on the floor that can go out and get his shot is going to make a difference. We saw Dylan Brooks do that for the Grizzlies against the Jazz in that matchup last year. And who knows, you know, with Desmond Bain heading into this playoff series uh, with whoever they face, you're, you're going to have Ja, Desmond Bain, and Dylan Brooks that can all get, go out and get their own shot, and Jaron Jackson to a certain extent. Um, so, you know, it, it may look completely different for the Grizzlies this year, and we may not be talking about a, a wing at all. Yeah, I was going to say, you you mentioned that point about Jaron Jackson. He's definitely, especially here lately, shown that ability to, to get to the basket. I think he just needs to finish a, finish more of those shots and go up a little bit stronger. But he definitely has the ability to create. Um, and I think we've seen that with Dylan as well. But back to that point, I think when you have your, your two guys of that level, I think you're going to be talking about possibly your, your top two players. I just don't know if that's something that you want to have to do all the time. It's all right in short stints like you've seen. With, with John and Tyus, but I, I don't think if, if your core guys, I don't think that's something that you want to have to do all the time. I, I think you want to have both of your, your core guys, your main guys, be at the maximum maximum of their abilities at all times. I think that's kind of what, what, what I mean. I don't think you want to limit them. And I think 
anytime you're doing it, I think you kind of limit them. With Ja and STA, if you got the ball in one of the guys' hand, they're not going to be – those guys not going to be effective as they could be. So, again, I think that's kind of my thought with that. Again, I love SG as a player. I just don't think he's a fit. Uh, if, if you were just talking about you didn't have Ja and you were looking for that guy, I think he'd be perfect uh, for, for what they have. But right next to each other, I just don't I – don't, I don't like the fit there. And if you're going to go out and make that major of a move, I just think, as David said, there are other guys that fit better. I think Donovan Mitchell, like you said, fits better because he's not a guy that needs the ball in his hands and, and that's going to pass the ball a lot. I mean, he, he's just out there to score and kind of get his shot kind of in that Dylan Brooks role. Uh, so I think he would be a better fit than, than SGA. That's fair. All right. Good so question, guys. Oh, <laughs> oh sorry. No, you're, did you have another one? If you got another question, that, that's – I'm fine. I was just going to go yeah. on. I, I've got one more. Okay, um, go ahead. And this is – this one, so I, I will say we, we eliminated Bradley Beal because of his age, but this guy is a year older than Bradley Beal. I'm just going to say it, and then I can discuss my points on it after the fact. Rudy Gobert, this, but this is a package. It'd be Desmond Bain and Steven Adams and one first-round pick for Rudy Gobert. Um, I still say no, it, it, especially if Jaron's going to be your five of the future. So I guess that's the question. And maybe and it sort of does lead into what I was going to ask. I was going to ask a question about Zaire and his and his factor and role in this. But um, I, I feel like Jaron Jackson really got some some Rudy to his game, but a little bit more versatile. I just like what I've seen out of uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. this year to, to me just – Knowing that he he has such potential, I can see him winning the defensive player of the year award for for year you know multiple years back to back. He's already leading the lead in blocks, and so um, I'm I'm sure there are some things that Rudy is better at that Jaron Jackson might not be at this time. But I think my preference is to uh, just go with Jaron and and watch him develop and grow. You've already got him locked under contract too, and as I said, their goal has been to get him to the center spot because I think he might be better for this team long-term at that spot. Um, but I'm curious to know your guys' thoughts, though. Go ahead, Isaac. Where are you at with this one? Man, initially I said no uh, when, when when David asked me this earlier. I think I was thinking with my heart because I'm not a big fan of, of him as a guy. Uh, some of his antics, especially going back to that playoff series against the Grizzlies last year, I didn't like some of the antics that he had in that game. But the more and more I thought about it, I think the answer for me is yes, because I think you, we, we do talk about moving JB and, and bringing Steven Adams in. And we saw the impact that Steven Adams has had on this team as a guy that you don't need to run plays for. He gets off, most of his stuff off of rim runs, offensive rebounds, stuff like that. He's not going to take up any shots or take up any, any necessarily any room in the paint. I think Rudy Gobert is, is super Steven Adams. I think he's a guy that would be perfect next to, to Jared because if, you got one, Jerry. What, what's what's wrong with having two? I think it would be just nuts defensively. Like you're not getting anything on the paint in the paint against this team, and you got Zaire Williams possibly as your small forward going. Like that defense would be just off the charts. Uh, and you just think about those lobs from from Jaw to Rudy Gobert. I think they just be absolutely dominant. I know the game is kind of moving away uh, from from centers, and we kind of say that in the top two MVP candidates right now are Joel and Beat mm-hmm. and Nikola Jokic. So. I, I would do it. Uh, I initially thought no way, but then when I when I thought about it, I was like, man, David convinced me about how tough that defense would be. And, I, and, and thinking about it more and more, man, I think that would be a dominant team. And I don't know if any other team in the league would match that. I think your guards, you're not getting anything in the paint against that team. And it would be tough. You talk about half court in, in defense. I mean, they would be a monster. Uh, and especially when you, I talk about Zaire Williams, and you think about that length in his development where he could be in a couple of years. I mean, they've just, MLG and W cutting water off on teams, man. I, I think I think I would do it. I, I think I'd go. I'd put a trick on that. Doesn't that hose your offense though? You just lost your your best your sniper, your your go to guy for three pointers, and Rudy Gobert is not in any way going to help you bank that up. Well, he said Dylan on this one. Not, not oh, you said Dylan. I, oh, I didn't realize yeah. the package changed. Okay, okay, Dylan. Yeah. yeah so it's I mean, it does I, actually. I, I said. 
I said Bane. That was Bane was still oh, involved in the video. Bane, Bane and Adams is, is where I was at on that one. I think I think you said Dylan and Adam. I'm, I'm not going to. I may have. Maybe I, wrong. If, I, if, I, if I did, my my intentions were Bane and Adams. I may have but heard Bane. That's my my thing with this is you know the, the three point shooting. I, I get giving up Desmond Bane is going to be tough because of what he's been able to do from the three point line and for the longest time the Grizzlies have needed a wing that can shoot the ball like this. I just, I have a lot of faith in DeAnthony Melton and what he's been able to do. If he gets into a role where he's seen 25 minutes a night consistently, I think you're going to see his three-point game be maybe not at the Desmond Bain level because I don't know that he's there. But everything else that Melton brings to the table, I think that he he would help with that. But the reason I like this so much is because a starting five with Ja, Dylan Brooks, Zaire Williams, Jaron Jackson, and Rudy Gobert, Hand. they would hold people to 40 Hand points up. a game. That's what I'm saying. You're like, not going to need as much three-point shooting. And, and that's, you know, it, it would. Didn't it have a ceiling with the grit and grind, though? It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't Rudy Gobert. It wasn't Rudy Gobert. I mean, I, and, I mean he's kind of a different, different yeah. I mean, I know Mark won a defensive player of the year, but it's a little bit different with Rudy, I think, than, than Mark. Not to take anything away from Mark, I, but Mark was just kind of a, a different kind of defender. I think you, you didn't have, especially when you and you, you trade off with Zach Randolph, Zach Randolph wasn't a good defender, and you have Jerry Jackson Jr. and Rudy um, on the inside. So I think that's a little, little bit different. And, I mean, you can, you can find a shooter. I don't understand why this team took so long to find a guy that, that shoot basketball when other teams, most teams have two guys, at least. And it seems like for some reason, the Grizzlies have just never been able to find guys to shoot the basketball. I feel like you can find other guys. And like uh, David said, I think Desmond Bain has shown – I mean, Desmond Bain, uh, they actually Melton has shown the ability to, to shoot the basketball. And I believe that's real because we've seen that in, in different stretches. And he's consistently been able to do it here lately. And you just hope that's something that continues. I just think they'd be so dominant defensively that I, I don't think the, the three-point shooting would be as much of a problem there as it appears it would be. Mm, yeah, I gotta disagree with that. I, I think it could because because John needs space. The way he works, it, you, you just you don't want the paint too cluttered. I think. It, yeah, but the the thing is, like Rudy Gobert is one of the best screeners in the game. Yeah, I mean those screens are massive. The the reason that I think that the offense flows so well with Stephen Adams, Stephen Adams is a is you know like Isaac said, kind of uh, Gobert is kind of a better version of Stephen Adams. Yeah. And this offense is incredible with Steven Adams. Gobert doesn't have the passing chops that Steven Adams does. I'll never say that. So there are definitely some questions in it. And it's not foolproof. This is obviously just kind of a theory crafting thing because, to be honest, I didn't want to hammer on this this irrelevant game, the the Nuggets game tonight. So I, I wanted to throw this in here to fill a little bit of time. But the one thing that this Grizzlies team has that that grit and grind team didn't have is John Morant. There was not a single player, as much as you love Mark, Mike, T.A., Zebo, everybody on that squad, as much as you love those guys, there's nobody on that team that plays at the level that John Morant does. And, and I think, in my opinion, and, and you can disagree with this, I'm actually interested to see where you're at with this. If you replace Mike Conley with John Morant on those grit and grind teams, I think that they win a title. Yeah, yeah, I think they probably. I, have, I, I was going to say, I think they probably have two. Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't think there's any question about that. I think if you add Desmond Bain uh, to that yeah. year that they went to the Western Conference Finals, I think they might have won it that year. And, and that year, I think did they lose through that year where Dallas ended up winning the championship. I think they could have won that year. Uh, I, I think shooting was definitely so. That kind of goes to Kansas's point. I mean, you you definitely always need shooting, but but I, I'm like David. I think having a guy like, like Anthony Belton that can knock down shots, I think you can go out and bring in other players. And again, I think having, even though Mark won defensive player of the year, Mark and Zebo is not defensively what Jaron and Rudy Gobert would be. I, I just think it would work because I just think they'd be so dominant defensively, the teams just wouldn't score. Uh, basically, like you, your guards don't get anything against that, that tandem on the inside. I just think it would be so hard to score against that team. It might not be as fun. Uh, as we see these teams right now, it might, but I just think defensively, I don't think you would need as much scoring on your offensive end 
as you you would need now. And I think that would be the difference on it. And I think that would be how they win ball games. And I just think they'd be hard as hell to play against. Yeah, those are fair points. My 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 counterpoints will be two concerns. One, the playoffs. Rudy's picked apart consistently in the playoffs. I mean, everybody knows how to expose Rudy Gobert. So there's there's that concern. And two, even with the the level with which Desmond Bain specific. Now, if we're talking Dylan, so that that does sort of change my perspective on things. But with Desmond, the level of consistency that he's shot from three, I think is pretty rare to find. Most of the best three-point shooters are fairly streaky. I would include DeAnthony in that potential ceiling. I think he can have a higher three-point percentage maybe, but he's streaky. Um, Desmond's pretty consistent. Don't get me wrong. You'll have slumps, but even his slumps aren't, you know, I've seen, I mean, Duncan Robinson just go, I mean, he just, he's just cold right now. I mean, just for long, longer stretches of time, even when he has his slumps, it's not extended. I mean, he still generally is able to find other ways to contribute too, so that maybe his three-point percentage isn't there, but I mean, when he's there, he's hot. I don't know if you can re-find that. That is fairly rare, I think, in, in the league, what he might have, just with the quality of looks that he can get for himself. Those, those will be my two questions. Um, and maybe it'll work out, but I worry about Rudy in the playoffs, and I'd worry about that you won't ever find that type of consistency from three-point line, from the three-point line that you can with uh, Desmond. It's a fair point. I, I mean, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't disagree no with that. You know, there, there are shooters out there. There are guys. And when you put together a team like that, you can go and get veteran guys that can knock down the three. And, and that is, you know, um, Zaire Williams has been significantly better from, from three since the all-star break. I think that I know at one point he was shooting 37% because I kept saying that to, uh, Guys, yeah. you know, like on on corner threes, he was he was shooting thirty seven percent. So he has shown the ability to knock down threes again, not at the level that you're seeing from Desmond Bain. And, and I get it, you know, if you don't want to move off of Desmond Bain, it would have to be a very specific player, and the package would have to be right in order for me to pull the trigger. But just the the defensive possibilities and the one thing that the Grizzlies would have that Utah doesn't have. They the the Jazz don't have a dominant wing defender like Dylan Brooks, and they also don't have a help defender at the level that Jaron Jackson is. So the weaknesses that you see from Rudy Gobert that get exposed in the playoffs, I think the other pieces around that would strengthen that up enough that you could more than overcome it. So, you know, I mean, it's it's good. You know, again, it's just, it's theory crafting. You know, we can talk about it all day and and what if it. But it, it was just a fun exercise. Again, I didn't want to hammer on this game it it was a crappy game if you watched it you saw it the Grizzlies were not interested they lost by 13 could have easily lost this game by 40 yeah but it's what it is again final score of this game 122 to 109 Grizzlies are 55 and 25 on the season still second place that's where they're going to finish the season fingers crossed we see them get a couple more wins in these last two home games because I would love to see them break the record not that they need to do anything else to solidify being the best team that the Grizzlies have ever put on the floor, but getting that single season record would just be icing on the cake. Do you guys have anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? I just no, have, oh, I have one quick question. I'm sorry, I'm coming with the questions, but just one, one quick, one quick question. On a scale of one to ten, where are you guys on? Uh, it, let's say Zaire makes a pretty big jump. Significant, like let's let's think along the significance of like a Desmond Bang, something maybe not at that level, but something close and around it. Zaire makes a big jump. Are you uh, taking that in mind? Do you feel like we still need to trade for the superstar, or do you feel like the um, the uh, you'd prefer around the edges? I guess maybe not a scale of one to ten, but sort of what would your thinking be if Zaire makes a jump next year? Does that impact the level of of importance you'd put on the one big move? Uh, for oh. me, I, you know, whenever I was asked this question, I think that in a small market, you've got to be very selective. You there, There's times that you have to be aggressive. And this offseason, the reason why I talk about stuff like this, the Grizzlies are never going to have more assets to move than what they're having right now. They are they would have to make a significant move to have more assets than what they're going to have headed into this offseason. 
So I, I think they're in a great spot to go out and make a move. They they have guys that are on tradable contracts. They have got, you know, Steven Adams is going to be expiring. He's getting paid a pretty good chunk. So if you wanted to use that contract to go out and get somebody because you're confident that Jaron can play the five, then, you know, you would go out and do that this season. Um, if Zaire makes a leap similar to what Desmond Bain done this year, I, I think it's it's curtains for the league. I, they're going to be in serious trouble because if you have John Morant playing at an MVP level and Desmond Bain, even if he doesn't improve, if he stays at the same level that he was this year and then you get a Desmond Bain-type jump from Zaire Williams, it's going to be nuts. You're, you're talking about four guys that could potentially be all-stars on this team, and, and that's dangerous. So, you know, that definitely – there i'm i'm not i'm on the same page as you don't go out and just get any star that you can get because we saw how that worked out whenever the grizzlies went and got chandler parsons and i know that's a sore subject and i know grizzlies fans are still upset about that i'm one of them but what chandler parsons was doing in houston was exactly what that grizzlies team needed yep. it just didn't pan out just it completely bad and so you know he was he was the one thing, he was the one guy that was out there that they can go and get to fill that need. If Chandler Parsons stays healthy and he does in Memphis what he was doing in Houston, that would have been a fantastic deal for the Grizzlies. It just didn't pan out. So you look at what Atlanta has done rushing their rebuild and you, you give away a guy like Cam Reddish for pennies on the dollar. Uh, it's the, I don't want them to rush it and make a mistake but at you, at some point you've got to make a move because these guys are going to have to get paid. More than likely, you're losing Kyle Anderson, you're losing Tyus Jones this offseason because those guys are going to go out and get paid. And right now you have Zaire on that rookie contract. You're about to back up the Brink truck for Ja. What is you know what's Para going to do whenever it comes to money and the salary cap? Is he going to open up the wallet or not? But either way, it's a small market team. You've got to be smart with it. At some point, you're going to have to make that move to push you over the edge unless you just have that belief that a guy like Zaire is going to make that jump and, and be that piece that pushes you over the top. I think I think this playoffs is going to, going to tell a lot. I think it's going to yeah. show you how much or do they need to go out and, and do anything major. I'm kind of on the same page with David. I think – when you're in a small market, I think there are always certain guys that if you have an opportunity, you have assets, an opportunity to go out and get it, and you think it's going to be a situation where they're not going to come in and kill your locker room or anything like that, I think you pull the trigger. And I think this summer, as David said, is the, the kind of that sweet spot if they're going to do it. Because I think coming into this, the, the thought was always that they were eventually were going to make a big move. But I think some things have happened that, they didn't expect to happen. I don't think they right. thought anywhere in the world we'd be sitting here as the two seed right now. I don't right. think they knew that Desmond Bain would kind of have the jump that he had from year one to year two. And I think even Zaire Williams has taken a bigger leap than probably anybody thought from what we saw at the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. So I think that kind of changes some things. But again, I, I still think in a small market, I think if you have assets, I think if you can go out and get a certain level of player and, and you think that player is a fit for your team, I think you to go out and do it. But I don't think they're just in a mode to where I think they're good enough to where they don't just have to go out and make a move just to be, make a move that we just, we went out and added a, a superstar wing player or whatever position that player plays. I don't think they're in a position to where they have to do that. Like I think last year people felt like, oh, there's something that we have to do to get over the hump. Now that that's not as clear. And, and again, I think these playoffs are going to, going to show a lot, answer a lot of those questions, but that climate is kind of hinted at even at the trade deadline um, in his post presser, he kind of talked about this, and he sounded like a GM that planning to be extremely active this summer. So I know they hate to lose that draft pick. I know that was going to be big ammo for them. Now I think I have a little bit more questions on kind of how they're going to navigate this. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But they're they're not in the position now to where they have to go get somebody. I think they have enough young guys on this team where they can kind of bank on internal growth a little bit uh, to where they think that 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 ceiling can get even higher. Yeah. I, I think I, I, I do see both sides and that, that Lakers pick makes a big difference. I was all yeah. going for the big move this, yeah. this, this offseason. That was That's sort of cool. my thinking. But with without that, uh, you got two lower 
first round picks, I I, I think you could re, re, replicate that personally, especially with some of the you know the con- valuable contracts that we've got on this team. Um, so I, I'm I'm curious to see Zaire, Zaire's jump will be my only question, just because of the precedent that one he's shown this year, and two what Desmond Bain showed. Um, if they chose to wait another year, I, I I wouldn't be opposed to it, just to see what they have um, from that perspective. But I wouldn't want to wait any longer than that myself. Yeah, good stuff. That was a great question. Uh, I think we'll go ahead and close it out then. I am on Twitter at David W two one one one. The show is at Ethos Grizzlies. Candace, let them know where they can find you, and then Isaac will get us out of here. Unless, of course, you got something else, you can plug it in. I'm I'm fine with it, but I think we've pretty well covered everything that we needed to cover and had a good kind of theory crafting conversation. Yep, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at Seahawks901. That's at C as in cat, Hawks901. Isaac? Yeah, I mean, two more victories, man, to break the, the franchise win record again. I think I test wise, I think anybody that's followed this team, you know that this is the best team in franchise history. You can just tell by the, the records they break, they broke it. I mean, two seed in the West. I know that team, I think that team was actually a four seed, uh, before a five, five seed, I think, uh, that, that won 56 games. So this is a little bit different, a little bit different situation, but I think you can just tell by the records and, and everything that are going down this year. I think. I test wise, there's no doubt, and I would like to see that solidified in the record book. So, two more wins, one win to tie, two more wins to break it. They've got to win both of the games on the home floor to break that record, and hopefully, that's what we see. They'll be back on the home floor Saturday night, 5 p.m. Uh, that game is actually going to be broadcast on NBA TV, um, as well as our guys Pete and Revan on Bally. So, make sure check that out. But to get people around the nation, we'll be able to see that game, and I always enjoy that. But you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals. It's I S A A C underscore rivals as I said we'll be back Saturday night might be a little bit of late but for a post game so make sure you be on lookout for that go over to Eddie so Grizzly give us a like and a follow we appreciate that and until Saturday night we go